Thank you, Father. Just, just lift your hands if you can. Just say thank you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus of Nazareth. We exalt you, Holy Spirit. We exalt you, this place, our minds, our hearts. that you come as you are, not as we think you to be. We come against any spirit, the Holy Spirit. We ask, Father, for Jesus to be lifted up. We would draw men unto him, and his word would be fulfilled in this generation satisfying the heart of God for what the Son sacrificed to fulfill. We love you, Father. We thank you. We appreciate you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I just love what y'all do. Appreciate you guys. Your hearts, every one of y'all. May the Lord richly bless you guys. Is the Lord good in them? Amen. Just stay in the atmosphere of, of worship. If uh, you have children and you want to send them to Sunday school, you can do that. If you want to keep them with you, you're more than welcome to do that as well. If you uh, don't want to listen to me preach, you can go back there. It's <laughs> probably going to be better back there. Definitely more fun. Um, I want to honor anybody that served in the military or lost a family or, uh, in the service of the military this morning. I just want to honor you. Thank you for the sacrifice um, that you've given and um, everything that you've done, your family sacrifice. You know, we appreciate you, and um, we just honor you this morning. And uh, if there's anybody in here, would you raise your hand? Give them, a, give them a hand clap, guys. Thank you so much for, for that. And we also honor Jesus and his sacrifice for our life. He went to war for us, and I'm glad because I would have lost, and uh, thank you for your victory over hell, Father. Thank you. Um, I have a lot on my heart. Um, it's one of these messages that I, I feel like maybe are going to be um, important, but I hope that, that I don't uh, overcomplicate it. Um, because I think on the surface, sometimes we can hear things and assume certain definitions based upon previous experience. And once we do that, we miss current realities of revelation that God gives us. In fact, sometimes the greatest enemy to what God's trying to teach you is oftentimes what he taught you yesterday. Because if we try to replicate instead of duplicate, we're going to end up messing everything up. Are you with me on that? If you've been in any final form of ministry at all, you know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, you know, there's times where you go pray for somebody and they get healed. And then you meet somebody two years later who has the same problem. And so you do the exact thing that you did last time because it worked, and this time it doesn't work. Because God's not a blueprint. He's a person. And some definitions that God gives us are for certain seasons, but then he moves things around. It's not that he changes. He stays the same, but we have to grow up into him, which often can feel like change. Amen? Because we need to change. 
And so I, when, I, when, I, when I apply definitive terms here, please receive them with openness in the sense of um, allowing the Lord to teach you through the greatness of Jesus Christ, because he is and was great. Amen? So we can never fully unpack this man whom we follow. It's just impossible. Eternity will be filled with endless joys because Jesus will continually not only reveal himself, but the Father to us. And just when we think we have it all figured out, he's going to show us something else about himself and leave us on our faces for another thousand years until we recover. But it only seemed like a day. <laughs> You'll get up and go, what happened? This is awesome. Amen? Anybody that thinks heaven's going to be boring has never read the Bible. And they definitely have not seen the nature of God in nature. And everybody enjoys this life, right? Outside of the sin of it. What do you think? God got the idea for all of this. <laughs> it's a lot better up there, too. He couldn't fit it all in down here, so he just gave us a little chunk of the pie. Okay? So I want to talk to you this morning about the necessity of wisdom. Okay? Um, help me, Lord. Let me tell you what wisdom is not. Wisdom is not being smart. Wisdom is not logic. Wisdom is unable to be held by the Adamic nature. Wisdom cannot wield that sword. It's too heavy. It's too powerful for the old man. You with me? Wisdom is a fruit of, a part of the Holy Spirit. And I don't understand how all this works, theologically speaking. Don't ask me. <clears throat> I don't think anybody can explain this to you. But wisdom is also the Holy Spirit, but separate, if you will. It's almost like I'm a person, but I have a personality. And my personality is a part of me, yet it's not me. But yet it is me. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Wisdom is a personality of the Holy Spirit. You with me? But yet, you can know me, but not fully know my personality because you haven't spent enough time with me. Does this make sense? And you haven't, if you don't know me very well, you haven't probably allowed my personality to rub off on you. Does that make sense? So there's parts of my personality that could change you for the positive or the negative. I hope not the latter, but I'm human. But nonetheless, we're comprised of many different things. Emotions, personalities, minds, thoughts. We're a complex being like God is. We're not God, but we're made in his image. You understand what I'm saying? So wisdom is the application of the divine in the temporal through a son who submitted to the kingdom that God sent in representation. Yeah, I lost some of you on that. So let's explain it maybe a little bit better. Um, it's the divine ability to look past the false and expose the truth by using the lie against itself. 
Wisdom has the ability to use what hell owns and what the Adamic nature owns to turn the plan of the devil on its head and use the very things of hell against hell to defeat hell itself. Does that make sense? Okay. Just so you have the context. That's what wisdom is. It's the abilities of God through human flesh that exposes hell by using the things of hell to defeat hell itself. Hell comes to Jesus, right? And they say, should we pay taxes or we shouldn't? And Jesus uses the schemes of the devil to take out the devil himself. And not only did he use the schemes of the devil to take out the devil, he used the tools of the enemy to expose the hearts of the people who weren't giving to God what they should give. Wisdom causes people to be exposed. Wisdom reveals. I don't have time to go into it, and hopefully we're going to do this multiple sessions in this, but if I'm able to next week, I'm going to show you not only in the making of the Hebraic temple in the wilderness, but also the Solomonic temple, and also the creation of God, how it took wisdom to build all three. You with me? The Bible states in Proverbs 8 that wisdom was there when God created the world. And that the worlds were framed by wisdom. That word framed is actually a construction term. Wisdom builds things from another realm into this one. It takes the Holy Spirit to release wisdom. Wisdom is not able to be used by the Adamic nature. You right? Wisdom isn't a witty comment. It's not logic that makes sense according to business strategy of earth. In fact, most of the time, what we call wisdom is nothing more than self-preservation. That was good, but anyway. The cross, according to 1 Corinthians, is, was the what of God? The wisdom of God. The cross was the wisdom of God. How wise does it look to actually die, submit yourself to the hands of your enemy? You with me? Why? Because wisdom has the ability to take the tools of hell and use them against hell to bring forth the plans of God. Which means if sons are operating in wisdom, no weapon will fo- as those formed against them will prosper. Not just simply because the word says so, but because wisdom gives them the ability to turn the tables. You with me? Yes. It's almost like playing a, a game of chess and you're, you only have your king left and they've got a full board. Wisdom gives you the ability to somehow legally turn the table around and, and stack the deck in your favor. Does it make sense to you? The people of God need to operate in wisdom. You don't get wisdom by studying your Bible. You can gain knowledge, but knowledge, what, puffs up. See, with with wisdom, you have to get knowledge and understanding. They're a a trinity, (laughs) if you will. Not as in God, but like they're, they're a trifecta. That's a better word. Does this make sense? Because Solomon says, with all you're getting, get understanding, get wisdom, but get understanding. Why? Because you need the other two to be able to process the other one. So wisdom from God comes from there 
Okay? You with me? Understanding brings what wisdom is intending to do into a practical reality, and knowledge gives you the ability to actually make it work in life. With me? Why do we need this? Because we're here to build what? The kingdom of God. And we need to build the same way Jesus built. And it takes wisdom to build. You with me? When you have a people who operate in the Holy Spirit, but not in the personality of wisdom, you have people who operate under power, but create chaos. We think the Holy Spirit is just some general term where we feel some, some presence on us and lift our hands and, and shundai or whatever it might be. He is much more than that. Have you ever read about the seven spirits of God in the Bible? All of those are comprised in the Holy Spirit. But each one have their own unique nature. You with me? Some of y'all are like, I don't understand. I don't either. You know why? Because wisdom is personified as a woman. <laughs> that was my joke for the day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> a few of you got it. And the rest of you I'm in trouble with. So, uh, Oh, my goodness. Jesus, help me, please. Put your rocks away. Save them for next week. But it is true. Women are a little more complicated. It's not a bad thing. It's a God-given thing. It's because they have so much that they are comprised of in the, in the feminine heart of God. There's so much there that it seems complicated, but yet each part is absolutely necessary. Does this make sense? And wisdom is personified as a woman. She cries out in the streets in Proverbs. You with me? So wisdom is part of the Holy Spirit of God. You, you following me? All right, I, I want to I impart to you the necessity of wisdom, but I also want to get to the end of this and figure out, help, help you figure out that not listening to the voice of wisdom is, in direct, is, is choosing to be in direct rebellion against the conviction of Jesus. Every time you come to a church service or somebody speaks a word of God in your life and you don't listen to that and you don't submit and obey those things, you're literally choosing the chaos of some ethereal idea of the Holy Spirit while undermining the actual presence of the Holy Spirit in wisdom. I know people who are so spooky spiritual, they are absolutely nuts. Seriously. Everything is like, oh. And if it was like that, then my Jesus didn't need to come down here and put on skin. I don't pray about what color shirt to put on. I'm sorry. And if you come and tell me how spiritual you are about you only put a shirt on that God tells you to wear that day, I'm probably not going to listen to you. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I, I'm, not, I'm not that smart. And I think God works with what I choose because he's in me and he's given me my desires. And as long as my desires are right, he gives me the desires of not his heart, my heart. So if I want to wear a green shirt, guess what? God's going to use a green shirt. And that's my, that's my spooky spiritualism. <laughs> See, wisdom uses the tool of hell to dismantle hell itself. This is why for a son of God or a daughter of God to get caught up in what is going on in their life, in the circumstantial realities of what's happening to them, to get caught up in that reality is to actually undermine wisdom itself. 
Because if you believe that that thing has been sent against you actually has power and authority just because of the chaos it creates, then you're not acknowledging the wisdom that's giving you the ability to build in the midst of that chaos. And then you're empowering the chaos and undermining the wisdom. In other words, you're worshiping destruction while carrying the ability to build. That's called deception. Proverbs 14, verse 1, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. You, you, can, you can turn there if you want. But it says, every wise woman builds her house. But a foolish one will tear it down with her own hands. Am I talking about just females? No, I'm talking about the bride of Christ. It does apply to the flesh. Women have absolute crazy amounts of power in the home. Absolute crazy amounts of power. A woman can tear her own house apart completely, or she can put it all back together. Nonetheless, wisdom's personified as a woman. Guess what? So is the church. We need to bear the traits of the Holy Spirit. That's why it was given. He was given. Does it make sense to you? When Jesus said he was going to leave a comforter with us, it wasn't just so that we could be comforted. That is a part of him. It's so that we can learn how to be like him because he is the essence of the bride. And even in the Greek, when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and references him, he, if you look at the adjectives there and the verbs and everything that goes on in explanation, it's, the context is a feminine form. So, I mean, some people would be upset about that, referring to the Holy Spirit as a she, but well, you figure it out on your own. <laughs> we need to bear his, his traits and his, his, his likeness and his abilities. Why? Because that is what was so formed with Christ. Jesus received the fullness of the Holy Spirit without measure, true or not? True. Okay, you with me on that? Yes. So I want to read to you, uh, uh, if you can put Isaiah 11... Verse 2 up here. Okay, I, I, I got to get scriptural, otherwise you're going to think I'm crazy. Okay? We need wisdom. Every circumstance you encounter, you need wisdom. Most of the time we respond out of emotion. Wisdom is not, is not moved by emotion. Emotion may be present, but wisdom trumps that. You with me? This is the prophetic uh, nature that in the Old Testament that God lays out for what would be upon the Messiah Jesus, right? It says the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. We know that. We're fundamentally and theologically sound on that. We get that, that, that the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus both inside and on out. The Bible says that it not only rested upon him, but it remained, that's important because in everywhere else in Scripture, when it fell on people, it didn't remain. He would fall and lift and fall and lift and fall and lift. And that's what we call church today. Some, some Sundays he falls, some Sundays he lifts. You know, that's what, and Jesus, he, it came on him and abided. Why? Because he had developed the character to attract the wisdom of God to stay with him. You with me? Why is, why, why is the Holy Spirit personified in that, in that baptism as a dove? 
because they are very flighty birds. The slightest little thing causes them to, to fall off, fly off. I heard one guy say, when you're walking with the Holy Spirit, you aren't conscious so much of the dove, but you're more conscious on every step you take so as not to disturb the dove. Does this make sense? Jesus lived in a such a way that the Holy Spirit was not in disunity, abiding and remaining on him. We live lives of salvation, but in and out of the Spirit. In and out of wisdom. In and out of these things. So the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Most of us, we would just shut our Bible there and go, yeah, Jesus has the Holy Spirit. But guess what else abides on him? Wait, is this multiples? Is there multiple spirits? Or is this the personality of the Holy Spirit in complexity? The Spirit of wisdom rested upon him. You with me? We need wisdom. You want to be like Jesus? It's not just enough to be covered in his blood. That's the beginning. You need to step up into what he's called you into and operate in wisdom. Wisdom is not from your mind about weighing out circumstances and what I should do and what I shouldn't do and should I do this and should I do that, shouldn't I do that. Wisdom comes specifically for the Holy Spirit. It's such a mind-blowing answer that when God gives it to you, you're like, oh my gosh, I would have never thought of that. That's going to just silence this entire thing if I say this. Boom. And everybody just goes, oh. I was talking to a lady one time, and she was a part of our church, and I don't remember exact, the exact scenario, but she had um, hastily made a commitment <clears throat> to something that was pretty demonic and justified it because of certain things in her life. And, and the, the issue got brought to us, and she was explaining all these things and why she needed to go do this and everything else. And, and she said, well, I just, you know, you've, you've even taught me that I need to keep my word. And I mean, without even thinking about it, I didn't even, I mean, I didn't even realize it came out of my mouth. And I said, how about you keep the, the word you made to the Lord first? And she just was like, Poof. The spirit of wisdom shut down the opportunity of the enemy. She went anyway. Let's see, that's what the spirit of rebellion does. You, you understand what I'm saying? So the spirit of wisdom rested upon him, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's a lot. We're still trying to get wisdom. And he had the spirit of understanding, because you need that if you're asking for wisdom, because Solomon says this, right? We also need the spirit of counsel. Hopefully I'll be able to go into these and what they actually mean. The spirit of might, which is power, right? Spirit of knowledge. Again, you have that, that trifecta, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, right? And then the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's a big one the church is missing. You have that one, you don't get spooky. Because <laughs> you're like, I'm going to face this dude, and he's real. And if I'm claiming spooky spirituality, especially if I'm claiming to be a minister, then I'm getting double judgment. Everybody wants to be a preacher until it's time to be judged. 
It's like, well, no, Lord, I, I was just trying to help. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 40. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? Yes. Are you with me? Yes. The necessity of wisdom in your life. Do you understand this is not something you can just decide to know? Like after this sermon, you're going to be like, oh, I know I need wisdom. That doesn't give it to you. Okay? See, knowledge doesn't give you wisdom. Wisdom helps you unpack knowledge. Okay? This is Jesus, and it says, the child, what? Grew. That's so crazy, you know? I mean, so many of us hold over ourselves this thing that we're supposed to be instantly. When you get born again, you don't become like 33-year-old Jesus just because you got born again. You're the little baby in the manger type Jesus that... I know that you think that if you tickle him, he's just going to start quoting scripture, but that's not how it works. That's the spooky spiritual stuff we're talking about, you know. But you're holding over yourself certain realities that you're not even ready for yet. Why? Because you still need to. He grew and became strong, right? Strong in spirit. Filled with what? And the grace of God was upon him. Do you know why you need grace? Because wisdom without grace makes you end up like Solomon. And then go read the book of Ecclesiastes and see how messed up he was. A lot of truth there, but it's painful truth that he had to learn the hard way. And he gets to the very end of it all and he goes, you know what I figured out? Just fear God, keep his commandments, and you'll be okay. <laughs> you can sum up all of Ecclesiastes in those last few verses. It's like, man, I just wasted all this. He's like, he's, I knew the life was vanity. I mean, the world taught me that. Some people haven't figured it out yet. Verse uh, 51, jump down to verse 51, same chapter. Interesting verses here. Verse 51, this is uh, Jesus is found in the temple. His mother comes to him, can't find him, right? She's freaked out. It says, then he went, he says, she's come back with us. It says, then he went down with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Imagine the king of the universe having to submit to a mama. And people won't even listen to pastors, let alone submit. Because submit's a four-letter word in the church because somebody hurt you with it. You realize that because you were hurt with the truth, it doesn't negate the truth? It doesn't, it doesn't absolve you from the truth? Do you understand that? And I will admit to you, though, submission can't be demanded. It has to be willingly given. And until it's willingly given, you can justify that you're putting people on trial, but what you're really doing is cohabitating with a short season of rebellion. Because God doesn't really care about how godly the authority is. He cares about your submission to his authority that is godly. Is it with me? 
I've had to submit to some pretty bad pastors before, and it wasn't fun, but God honored me through the whole thing. And they were wrong, but I didn't focus on that because I realized I was submitting and honoring the position, not the person. Yeah? Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about how you shouldn't submit to pastors because they hurt us, but everybody in here who's had kids, you demand your kids to submit to you. (laughs) You ain't perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how we work sometimes, isn't it? I mean, I'm just tickled. Just sit back and chuckle every once in a while. It's good for me. All right, so he says he, he submit, he, he, he was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Next verse. And Jesus grew, this translation says increased, in wisdom. The Son of God grew in wisdom. So that means we must also grow in wisdom. Do you realize that it has nothing to do with how many years you've been saved? I know a lot of old Christians who are, well, let's just say not wise. That's a real nice way to say that. They're not wise people. They're, they don't know how to navigate a situation to bring people where they need to be without realizing they're leading them. They think wisdom is forcing somebody into a reality of truth. Wisdom is, taking, is getting you to love the cross before you even realize you're called to it. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe you don't. Jesus didn't even talk about the cross to his disciples until a year and a half into his ministry with them. Why? Because wisdom develops love before it demands sacrifice. And that's how you minister to people. Your truth means nothing to them without your context of of love. They will learn sacrifice because you've taught them sacrifice in wisdom before you've asked them to sacrifice. This is how we should raise children. This is how we should be to our wives and to our husbands. This is how we should be to each other. You understand what I'm saying? I figured out, and I've used this phrase a lot in the last few days, but we have to become, especially preachers, ministers, you have to become masters of every personality. You don't get to superimpose yours on somebody else's. You have to learn in wisdom how to save people who oppose themselves. Not that you save them, but you lead them to a salvation. People who are opposing themselves. Another example, and I'm not saying I have this every day in my life. I'm growing. I'm working towards this, but I, I use this now all the time. But I, I encountered an atheist one time, and they were defiant and rigid, and and they just bold-faced came up to me and like, well, I don't believe in God. And not even thinking about it. I didn't have this in my head or my heart. I mean, I just said it, and it was one of those things where I was like, well, I've got to save that one because that's straight from the Lord. <laughs> I said, it's okay. He still believes in you. Silent. Stopped everything. It just dumbfounded them. They were expecting me to come back with logic, with knowledge, with intellectualism. Guess what? They've got you beaten that game. 
If you argue the things of earth with the things of earth, you're going to lose the argument. This is why the kingdom of heaven is so vital, because we're bringing something outside of their box to their reality they are now forced to deal with. And not only is it an idea, it's a person called you. God embodying you in that moment, in that circumstance. So full of love and wisdom that they have nothing to be able to say to the presence that you carry in their midst. Because you've developed it when you weren't around them. So now that you are around them, it can flow. Let me say it this way. You've allowed wisdom to so work in you that now it has the authority to work in someone else. That was a whole lot better than your response, but, I mean, that's kind of the crux of my sermon. So we'll move on and, like, just, yeah, increased in wisdom. That's what he did. He grew in wisdom. Do you realize when I said those small few statements, and I've, I have more, but I don't have as many as I'd want. I get stuck in sometimes when I'm dealing with people, I'm like, man, God, I don't know how to deal with this person. Like, I don't know what to do. I mean, like, I know the truth. I know what to counsel them, but they're not listening. I don't know how to win their heart. They're drunk on their pain. They're drunk on their failures. They're drunk on the pain of someone else in their life, and I can't get through because they're, in, in, they're inebriated. So even if I told them what to do, it's correct, but they can't hear it. Even the people that they sent to arrest Jesus came back and they were like, why didn't you arrest him? He's like, nobody has ever spoke like this man before. Something about what he was saying and who he was caused even the people sent to arrest him to make peace with him. <laughs> why? Because wisdom brings peace. It brings peace to arguments. It brings peace to calamity. It brings peace to the heart. Do you realize that when you got saved, you heard the voice of wisdom crying in the streets of your heart and you surrendered to that voice? I could actually say this, that the voice of, the, of conviction is really the voice of wisdom. Go read Proverbs again under that context and you'll see exactly what I'm saying. She says, turn away, you simple ones, from your calamity. See, wisdom's crying and conviction through sermons and preachers and people who are preaching the gospel. Why? Because sons of God make peace. And how do they do that? The same way the original son of God made peace over the chaotic earth when he brought creation into existence. Through wisdom. Are you okay? I, I don't know. I mean, okay. Um, so go to James chapter 1. Wisdom has had a crucial role in your spiritual life more than you even realize. Um, it's turned you from, from darkness to light. You called it the Holy Spirit, which it is. But it's a unique trait and personality of, of, of who he is as, 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 as a nature of God. Do you, do you, do you know that uh, usually women have an ability to be able to soften a situation more than men do? 
Not all the time. I've met a few. None of you guys. But generally, they have the ability to soften that situation. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He softens our hearts. He, he's, the, he's the impact of the goodness of God. He's the part, the Holy Spirit's the part that made you actually like the Father. <laughs> you need both in your life. You need the Father, but you also need that mothering side of God. And every time He touches you with grace and mercy, whether it's at an altar or in your prayer closet, you're experiencing the wisdom of God from another realm imparting itself into the kingdom of God inside of you. And then all of a sudden, the peace comes back and the rest is restored. And then He begins to build the work of God inside you again. And that's when you have your head screwed back on straight and you come up from the altar going, oh, I feel so much better. And that was a complex situation that happened in nanoseconds because of who He is in you. Wisdom builds her house. It takes wisdom to build a community, a church. It takes wisdom to build people. It takes wisdom to build a family, a wife, a husband. It takes wisdom to build these things. I would say, in fact, most of the calamities that you have in your life right now are simply because you did not choose wisdom. And you tore your house down. I'm not saying you have all the blame. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that even if the things still fell down and you operated perfectly in wisdom, yeah, it might have still went the same way, but you'd have a different feeling about it. Make sense? Some people just are absolutely stubborn and arrogant and they make a mess of everything. And you can't fix that, no matter how wise you are. But how you feel about it, Is different because you can stand before God knowing I operated in wisdom and I did my part and the only reason this fell down was not because of me it fell down because they were obsessive and compulsive in their natures and love for darkness they ignored the voice of wisdom that I tried to give them and I'm not talking about a self-righteous experience where you sit back and tell everybody you know I was right and you were wrong I'm talking about in your heart you have peace with God Knowing that you live the life of Christ through a turbulent time in your life. You with me? But when we don't operate in wisdom, guys, we create our own chaos. And then Jesus has to come and set us free from our own chaos. <laughs> Is this helping anybody in the room? Okay. James chapter 1 says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, verse 5. Did I tell you that, Jacob? I'm sorry. Those guys do a good job back there. They have to keep up with us. We assume they know, and that's our fault. So uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. See, if wisdom were just simply the fullness of the Holy Spirit, period, then when you got filled with the Spirit, you'd also been fully filled with wisdom. So then why is James talking to Spirit-filled believers, telling them, to ask for wisdom when wisdom's a part of the Holy Spirit. Because you have to grow in it just like Jesus did. See, Jesus had to undergo everything that we had to undergo, and he did it perfectly, and he showed us the way to do it, and he's saying here, if you lack it, if you realize that there's chaos in your life, and you're not able to, to master these situations where you have your own show-me-a-coin moment to everything that goes on in your life, 
then you need to ask God for it. Does that mean because you pray once you're going to get it? No. <laughs> you're going to have to keep asking and keep praying and keep growing. And if you get some level of wisdom, you know what you need to do? You need to be, you need to be thankful, but you need to be hungry for more. It says, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. I'm not going to go into the next verses, but it does say that if you ask unbelieving, then you're not going to get it. In other words, it's like this. When, you're, when you encounter a situation where you need wisdom and you're asking God, usually that circumstance is so horrific, violent, tra just travailing inside of you. It's consuming you that usually we end up praying for wisdom out of unbelief because we're walking through and seeing, asking through the context of how bad the situation is instead of the ability he's given us to build the situation. And then we ask in unbelief, and then the wisdom doesn't come, and then we think that because we prayed and we didn't get it, that God doesn't love us or he's not moving in that situation, or worse, that this chaos is his will. That's how we get super spiritual on things that we don't get answers for prayer for. We just blame it on, well, that just must be his will. No. Sickness is not his will, period. I don't understand it all. I know that sickness is not his will. God didn't create human beings and Adam and Eve and then go, you know, something's missing. I think I know what it was. Oh, cancer. <laughs> Duh. Here you go. That's not a father. These are the works of darkness that we're supposed to undo. Jesus came to what? The works of darkness. Destroy them. How do you destroy something? Through wisdom. The Bible says that a wise man is able to scale the city walls of an enemy or a brother offended. You've got to know how to, in wisdom, navigate people's walls. Because everybody's got them. All y'all got masks. We all got masks. We put them on Sunday, usually. We put them on when we're putting on our makeup and putting on our clothes. Like, okay, here's my, here's my church mask. How are you? Oh, brother, I'm blessed. And inside, we're like, man, this sucks. Like, this is hard. Like, I'm not. Right? Because, but wisdom, no, you, you ever get around somebody and you can feel that wall? Because the world calls it an aura, but it's, it's literally just a presence. People put it up, and you know it's there. You're like, ooh, you know. They're like, hey, how are you? I'm doing good. And you have, and you've got to use wisdom to be able to navigate that. Or you're talking to somebody, and you realize they have no clue what you're talking about, and they go, I know, I know, I know, and I'm like, mm. back up. Let's try this again. Because knowledge doesn't bring wisdom. Again, wisdom unpacks knowledge. So, in other words, what he's saying here is if you're lacking wisdom and you pray in unbelief, the only way to pray in unbelief is to actually look at the circumstance as being larger than the tools God's, that you're asking from God. Wisdom tears down the strongholds of the enemy. But it builds the house of God. 
there's certain things even in this church where people have come to me on micro issues and they're like, so-and-so and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, mm, that's a molehill and we're not shedding any blood on it. But to that person, it's like, oh, and I'm like, no, you just give it a minute. Just give it a minute. And then it all just kind of ends up somehow. But if we had died on that molehill, you know what would happen? We would have escalated a situation and lost a person. What they're doing is wrong. Yeah, but they're an infant. Sometimes people poop themselves. That's just... That's biblical. Go read Proverbs again. Maybe we should be in Proverbs. Proverbs says that where there is no ox, the stall is clean. That's what he said. But with the presence of the ox is much increase. In other words, you deal with people, you're going to have to buy a shovel. But with them, you can get a whole lot more done. See, knowledge will focus on the problems they're creating. Wisdom sees the strength they bring. We need wisdom. Does this make sense? Okay. Let's go to James 3, verse uh, 13. I'm sorry, I'm teaching you this morning. Um, It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding? Again, you have two parts of that trifecta there, wisdom and understanding. Let him show by good conduct, by good character. Do you realize Jesus spent 30 years perfecting his character? I haven't got to it yet, and maybe I'll just get to it now so I don't have to go back. But wisdom comes. Wisdom, you grow in wisdom through obedience and submission. That's how you first start getting it. We know that that's contextual to what we just read in John, where Jesus had to submit to his mother, and he obeyed her. And then it says right after that, he grew in wisdom. I don't think it was a coincidence. Some of the greatest leaders I've ever seen in my life were the ones that had to submit to some of the hardest authorities. Because they learned what not to do. And I've actually, in my life, I can say this wholeheartedly, I have learned more from my enemies than I have my friends. People have taught me what not to do in my marriage, in my kids, in my job. And I look at the chaos and I'm like, "Mm, no thank you. I'm staying away from that. With me? Okay. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy, this is so interesting to me, and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't be arrogant and try to lie to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but this wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil practice. It's interesting that James here goes back, go back a verse. Uh, yeah, so he says this wisdom is what? It doesn't come from God. In other words, there's a demonic wisdom. 
and the demonic wisdom, guys, makes sense in your circumstances. It makes sense. Why? Because you, uh, you know, don't take that because they're wrong. If you want to get ahead, you got to step on that guy and, and, and come up. It makes sense. It works. It does work on this realm, but it tears down the kingdom of God. There is a wisdom that is sensual of self and of demons. And frankly, most of the church operates under that kind of wisdom. Right? Because it says this. Next verse back. I'm sorry, verse 14. This, this wisdom is jealous. Um, maybe, I'm, maybe we're in 13. But see, jealousy can't, can't purely rejoice in the success of another. And it covets what they have and who they are. Jealousy has no ability to love because it can't rejoice in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. If you ever tell somebody the truth and they don't rejoice in that, then you know you're not dealing with the spirit of love. It's real simple. So to try to continue to talk to them as if they are under that spirit of love, you're just going to confuse yourself and frustrate yourself. You with me? You have to back up and find wisdom to be able to how to navigate that situation. Because love rejoices in the truth. I, I minister to people all the time, and I'm like, look, this is, this is wrong in your life, and this is killing you. And then they justify it. They're not rejoicing in the truth that has been brought to them. They're denying the voice of wisdom. Does make sense? Do you understand that you can't force somebody into wisdom? But you can so demonstrate it that you make it so attractive that you give them the way of escape if they so choose. Wisdom did not take anybody from the streets and rip them off the streets and bring her into, the, into her, her house. It just simply called from the city gates, come in. You with me? Yes. It's selfish. All things, even spiritual to selfish wisdom, are contextual to themselves, and the betterment of self is at the epicenter of a selfish heart, even so much so that their giving is to gain the blessing for themselves. Some people actually stumble upon the truth in Christianity that it's better to give than receive. And they think because of that that they're, they're Christians. No, they're philanthropists. And it's, it, it's good. Like you, I mean, even in, like say you get in a, you, an argument with somebody, even your heart's not right, you give them a gift, you, just, you feel better about it. Doesn't mean you've repented or anything else. I'm just saying that you stumble upon certain truths and you operate in them. You can operate in them outside the Spirit of God. There's certain biblical truths that if you operate in, even as a heathen, you're going to be successful. Because the truth just works. It is. It's a person. You with me? So selfish wisdom has self at its center, which is where all arguments start. Somebody's not seeing things my way. We're not concerned about whether they're seeing things God's way. We're concerned about whether they're seeing things my way. Because we're going back to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we're you know, calculating rights and wrongs instead of the ability to give life. Does this make sense? Wisdom learns how to pull people in in love to get them to willingly sacrifice, whereas before they were selfish. Bitterness has no hope. 
Bitterness comes when pain has been so great that in order to protect oneself, they shut off every ability for to be able to feel anything. And the only thing left for them to feel is bitterness. They're bitter at God. They're bitter at people, which goes back to jealousy because they've lost something. They see somebody else has that something they lost. They're angry at why God gave it to them and not, you know, why, why did he take it from me? And then God becomes the blame of everything and it wasn't his fault. <laughs> well, he's all powerful. He could do something about it. Do you really want him to micromanage and dictate you and turn you into a robot? Because that's what it would take in order for him to stop all the evil that you think you want to have stopped. You lose your freedom and your ability. So we only want him to control other people when it hurts us, but we never want him to control us because it's us. You shouldn't let that drunk driver get behind that car seat, but whenever I want to talk bad about somebody and slander, you should let me do that because I'm partial to myself. You should, you should let me administer spiritual death, and you should never let anybody administer physical death. Never mind the fact that we're all going to die anyway. Does this make sense to you? This type of wisdom thing is, is right here. It's demonic. It's not the wisdom of God. It tears things down, and it sacrifices people for the objective to build its own demonic kingdom. People are the empowerment of the sacrifice to the demonic altar uh, of this kind of wisdom. Make sense to you? <clears throat> Disorder, disarray, everything begins to happen in their life, begins to fall apart. And, and ironically, these people who operate under this kind of wisdom, <laughs> ironically, they can fix everybody else's problems or think they have the answer to everybody else's problems, but they can't fix their own. Yeah. I, I know so many of them that are out there telling people what they should be doing, but their, their lives are a wreck, their marriages are a wreck, their kids are a wreck, their finances are a wreck. Nobody's following them. Nobody respects them. Nobody listens to them. And then they just justify why instead of taking responsibility and becoming attractive enough for people to go, I want what you have. I want to be like that. Why? Because through good character, we begin to grow and, and demonstrate wisdom and meekness. See, the wisdom of God brings rest to the heart, to the soul, to the, to the, to the finances, to the marriage. It, it brings rest. It stops the war. And even so, like I said, it, it stops the war by using the things of hell against hell itself to dismantle hell by the things hell's using. It takes the weapon out of the enemy's hand and uses it against himself. He's not, wisdom gives you the ability to turn what's already present in your circumstances. That's your tools to use against what's coming at you. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Instead of complaining about how hard the fiery darts are, you turn them back on the enemy. And you gain people in the process. Not only do you destroy hell, but you gain the person. In Luke 17, 20, you don't have to turn there. It says, uh, these Pharisees questioned Jesus. And when the kingdom of God comes, they said, when, when, what's it going to look like? And Jesus answered them. He says, the kingdom of God doesn't come with outward signs and observation. He says, they're gonna, neither they're going to say here or there is the kingdom, for the kingdom of God is within you. 
This is where we build the wisdom of the Lord. We ponder the scriptures, we meditate upon them, we posture ourselves before Jesus, and we allow his spirit to take those truths and begin to dismantle everything in our hearts that are not of him. Because if you're going to try to dismantle untruths of somebody else before you deal with your own, you're going to bear very little authority in that battle. The problem is, is we want to administer wisdom to everybody else, but we don't want to listen to it in our own lives. Does that make sense? See, wisdom is conviction. Remember I told you that. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God opening your eyes to, to where you were versus where you're supposed to be. And you feel convicted. And you want to change. See, but if you don't let wisdom have its work in your heart and build this kingdom and build this thing, then when you get out here, you're never going to be able to do it. And people are going to be they're not listening to me. It's, it's not their fault. See, these people, again, who came to arrest Jesus, <laughs> they came to do him harm, and he managed to get them on his side. How do you do that? I mean, that would be like a modern-day issue where they send the entire SWAT team after you, and they all come back with their guns hanging around their waist going, I don't know, man. You go do it. Just you go do it. No, something about that guy. With me? So I want to I help you here. So there's some verses you can look at. You can write these down if you want. Luke 21, 51, or I'm sorry, Luke 2, 51 and 52. We read that a minute ago. And then uh, we just read James 3, 13 through 17. But wisdom is this. It's submission. This is how you, gain, this is how you grow in wisdom. Submission, obedience, meekness, purity, peace, gentleness, teachableness, mercy, good fruits, impartiality, and sincerity. Because in James 3, verse 17, it says, The wisdom from above is first peaceable, <laughs> and it lasts this through. It's first peaceable, right? It's, it's, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's teachable, it's merciful, it's, it's good fruits, it's impartial, and it's sincere. That's the wisdom of God. But when you get in a chaotic situation, that's the last thing you feel like acting like. True or not? I mean, you want to respond with the earthly demonic wisdom. You have to give wisdom a chance to speak in the situation by shutting down the demonic wisdom that's happening in your head. Because the wisdom of God comes from your heart, not your brain. It comes from right here. And you have to oftentimes stop and shut this thing down to be able to allow God to begin to move through you and give you wisdom. Does this make sense? See, the wisdom of God converts the tangible to the conviction of the spiritual. It takes the negative situation that's being brought against you, and it turns it to the conviction of the person who's creating the chaos. Do, do, do you want to turn that around, that situation around? That's what wisdom does. It, it takes their weapons and just puts them right back on their head, and they're forced to deal with that. Uh, and no longer can they fight you with this, this knowledge. They're now forced to fight this wisdom, this conviction that's been placed upon their heart. You remember when Jesus said, show me a coin? He said, give to God what is God's. In other words, you're not even doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
He didn't accuse them and say it that way. But when he said, give unto God what is God's, they, their hearts immediately smote them. Because they're like, oh, man. Yeah, we're not really doing that either, are we? So in one moment, he took away the powers of hell. And he brought conviction to human beings. And it weighed heavy upon them and gave them the ability to make a choice in life. It disarmed everything. Jesus walked and grew in wisdom. Wisdom exposes the heart of man. It tears through religious overlays. It leaves people helpless before a holy God when it, when it moves. It's the same power by which you were born again. When you, when you finally saw yourself as the sinner that you were. That was the spirit of wisdom. Bringing conviction. Does this make sense? Okay. I don't have time to read it. You can read Proverbs 1, uh, verse 20 through 33 later on if you want. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and close with this here. We already had an altar time, and that's, that's great. But I, I, I'm, I want you to understand this, that when God pursues you, no matter how defiant you are or self-deceived or self-deluded self we are, when God begins to pursue us, he releases the voice of wisdom in our life. We call it a conscience. <laughs> it's the voice of wisdom saying, you need to turn around. The problem with that is, is that many times that conscience, that voice, that wisdom, isn't that loud, booming thing. And it doesn't come with a lot of feelings of power. And that's what we want. We want the voice to come with a lot of power so that we'll fall on our knees. But when Mary was with Jesus in the temple and she said, you need to come home, she wasn't screaming at him. The voice of wisdom was speaking and Jesus recognized the voice. Here's the thing. He said, catch this, don't you know that I should be in my father's house. Technically, he was correct until the mother spoke. You see this? The Holy Spirit spoke through Mary, come home. It was the mother voice of God, and he recognized that voice as the Holy Spirit in Mary. And so what did he do? He submitted there wasn't a big show of power. There wasn't an altar call experience where he wept his heart out. There wasn't any of that. It was the voice and the submission. Oh, how we could get the church to a place where she could turn just by hearing the voice and submitting without having to have a knockdown, drag out altar call session. That she could hear the wisdom of God. And in her heart, no, this is the Holy Spirit, the mothering part of God, the gentle nature, the small voice that says, turn around before it's too late. Come home. Was Jesus supposed to be in his father's house? Eventually, yes. But not right then. He needed to learn obedience and submission Right? The Bible says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered.
So there's times where the God begins to speak through us through wisdom, through people in our life, through mentors, through leaders, through, through spouses, through husbands, through wives, through mothers, through fathers. And that voice comes, and then we expect it to have all this power. And, and you know what? It just clashes with what we think we want to do. Clashes with what we think we want, because Jesus wants to be in his Father's house. Did you see in that moment he denied what he wanted? He denied what he wanted to be able to be in, in right standing with Abba. That to actually be in right standing with God in that moment, he had to walk away from his father's house. You know, I know some people that are so spiritual that after they get in an argument with somebody, they're just like, well, I just got to go pray. No, you needed to get up off your rear end and go back, say, say you're sorry. Well, I got to get my peace back. No, the Bible says if you're going to bring an offering before the Lord and you have all against your brother, you better go make it right or I'm not going to receive your offering. See, sometimes we want to be, oh, I want to be in the presence of God. He's like, no, you need to be in the presence of man. You need to go make it right with your mom. Or you need to go make it right with your, your sister or your brother or your, your spouse or your coworker. Or you need to go make it right with this or you need to make it go right with that. See, Jesus learned this wisdom by being where God wanted him when God wanted him there, not where he wanted to be. See, our spooky spiritualism wants to be in the house of the Lord. Sometimes God wants us to be in the house of obedience and submission. I, I just really want to challenge yourself. Ask yourself, have you really ever submitted to anyone in your life? I mean, really, truly submitted because like my mentor told me, it's not submission until you disagree. Think about it. You ask your kids to do something. Hey, get ready so we can go to Silver Dollar City. Woohoo! Do you think that's actual obedience? That's <laughs> not obedience. They're like, we're going to do that anyway. It's not submission until you disagree. Until someone who sees farther down the road than you currently see is saying, don't do that or get up and go here. Stop this. Do that. And we should have such a love and trust with one another and with the Holy Spirit that when he's speaking through somebody else that we instantly know that voice regardless of the, of the vessel it's coming through and going, I recognize that voice. It's wisdom crying out saying, come home. Be where I'm asking you to be even if it goes against what you spiritually want. Amen? We need wisdom. And I think as a church, we've operated far too long without it. I think as married people, we've, we've operated far too long without it. We have judged everything based upon what we know is right and wrong. And if Jesus would have done that to us, to you, Regardless of your theology, he would have came down and said, you're all wrong, and you're all going to hell. Because that was the truth. And that was not and would not have been enough for us to turn. Why? Because the Bible says it's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. What is that kindness? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the feminine part of God. It's wisdom saying, don't do that. Stop living like that it's killing you people who are involved in premarital sex and drug use and marijuana and all these things I know these are culturally hot topics but I don't care <laughs> it's sin 
and wisdom. The dangerous part about this, guys, is if you ignore the voice of wisdom long enough, the voice of wisdom will stop speaking to you. And you know what happens when that happens? You actually are convinced of your own lie. And self-deception is the greatest form because you have nobody to blame. It wasn't the devil that did it. You so mind-jacked yourself that you deceived your own person. Without the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll buy every lie you sell yourself. You'll turn sin into permissibility. Paul says you'll turn grace into lasciviousness. In other words, you'll turn the free gift of God into a license to do whatever you want, and you'll find a way to justify it in your own head. Again, Proverbs, each man does that which is right in his own eyes, but God will weigh your heart. Amen? If you need to repent, I just want you to stand. I'm not going to have an altar call or anything, but I just want you to just take a few minutes before God. If wisdom has been crying out to you in some area of your life saying, hey, just quit this. Stop doing this. It's your conscience inside of you going, you need to change. Something needs to change. It doesn't have to be this great move. Sometimes we do need that. We need, we need healing and we need God to touch us and we need these moments. But there's other times where we just need to tune our ear to the voice of wisdom and go, God, is that you speaking to me? And I'm sorry for not listening to you. Just do that now. Whatever it might be, in your marriage, your finances, your jobs, your kids, your careers, sin. Scott, I'm, if, if you're trying to teach me submission and obedience to you, I'm asking for wisdom. And I'm asking for the voice of wisdom to deal with my heart so thoroughly that it, it works such a kingdom inside of me that I can release wisdom into other people's hearts. So just take a moment. Just, if there's any forgiveness you need, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So Father, we come to you and we ask those who are in their heart right now just dealing with you, we ask Holy Spirit that you would just begin to light upon them again. And with that still small voice, begin to speak the, the truths of God, the kingdom of God, the, the witness of the Holy Spirit, and the, and the wisdom that would come from above. A wisdom that would contradict the, the, the earthly wisdom that is sensual and devilish. Bless them now as they, as, they, as they meet with you in their minds and in their hearts. Carry this thing out in them, Father. Holy Spirit, be patient with them. And lead them into ways everlasting. Let things come out of their mouth that will build the kingdom of God and silence the mouth of hell over individuals, nations, and generations. We love you. We thank you. We ask these things believing in your name, lifting your name on high. Amen.